Um, I want to share just for a couple minutes, and, and uh, it's cool to hear those, those stories and, and testimonies. Um, and I want to share, we've been going through the book of Hebrews, and if uh, you want the reading plan, there's a reading plan back by the coffee. Um, if you'd like to join in with us, we're on week uh, six this week. Um, but really, this is not a, a verse-by-verse, word-by-word study of Hebrews. That would take, like, years. Um, we're just reading through the book of Hebrews and uh, just picking up things that are, are catching my attention. And um, uh, it's just been good to see, uh, you know, the, the truth of, of Scripture, the, the amazing gift that we have in, in Jesus. And uh, it's cool to hear these, these stories. Um, and so I want to share a little bit uh, this morning uh, but I don't know if anybody uh, here is like me. I've developed a, a bad habit over the last uh, couple years. Um, I always thought I was really easy to shop for. Um, like, when it comes to my birthday or Christmas, I thought, like, you know what? It's so easy. I'm a pretty simple guy. It's so easy to give me a gift. Um, you know, don't really have to, like, you know, think hard about things. And even as I said that... Cece, my wife, said, oh, my Lord. So we know that that isn't true. And in the last couple of years, I noticed like a, this, this habit, this rhythm, this pattern that I've gotten into. And uh, Cece really thinks hard, like, okay, what is Dave going to like? What does he want for her birthday or for Christmas or whatever? And uh, she has been really creative. And I remember a couple of years ago, um, I'll go to the gym on occasion, and, and my bag, my gym bag was stinking. And uh, she got me a new gym bag. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. Um thought about it. I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's really what I need. And then I returned it. Yeah. And um, then she bought me, I like to run on occasion. She got me these cool, fancy uh, uh, headphones uh, for running. They don't go in your ear because, uh, you know, you want to hear traffic and different things that are around you when you run. So they go like right on the side of, of your head and you can hear and run and still hear traffic noises. And I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, I looked at them, played around with them a little bit, and returned them. And um, then another thing, she got me a watch. And uh, I was like, a fancy watch that keeps track of things and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. Looked at it, played with it, uh, wore it for a little bit for a couple days, and then returned it. And uh, then this Christmas, she got me, I'm in need of a, a new winter coat. And so this Christmas, she got me a new winter coat. And I looked at it, and I unwrapped it, and I'm like, that's cool, and wore it for a little bit, and then I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. And so I returned it, only to purchase it a week later. And what I was thinking, like, everyone, as I even just reflect on all of those gifts, one of the things that I think about, like, all of those gifts were, were really creative. All of those gifts, she did a really good job thinking, okay, what does Dave want? But in those moments, I realized, like, wow, like, I was given something special, and I didn't really realize what I was given. And so I just really returned it. And this week, I've been really thinking about that phrase, do we really understand, do we really realize, in the depth of our soul, the gift that we have in Jesus? And it's something that we have heard over and over and over again. But as you read through Hebrews, you start to get this, this picture, this amazing picture of, like, wow, we have been, we have received something so absolutely amazing. That if you were to live 4,000 years ago, your life would be drastically different. Your rhythm, your religious rhythms, your church, and all of that would be very different and frankly, very tiring. 
There is, we're in the middle of Hebrews, and now is this conversation in the middle of Hebrews about, about Jesus being the great high priest. And we don't have high priests here today. We don't have, that's like very foreign to us. But back thousands of years ago, there was this system that was set up by God in the Old Testament where it was a system where there was a priest that came from a certain genealogy, that came from a certain line, the line of Aaron. And a priest would, uh, in, in Hebrews 5, it says that they were there to mediate between the people and God. Their purpose was to represent the people to God. And so a big part of their regular um, work, if you will, this was their job, their regular work, they would offer sacrifices. They would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And this morning I need someone who is going to um, help me out and someone who is going to play the role of a priest. Do I have any priests here? Oh, Piper, you want to do it? Yeah. Okay. So, Piper, get over there. Um, a little side note. I want... A while back here at, um, at Compassion Heart, I saw like a little bin of rubber duckies. And I thought like, I'm going to use those for this, but I can't find the rubber duckies. So anyway, what you need to do, Piper, there's two bags of uh, balls, yellow balls. And uh, so go in the middle of the basketball court over there and just with your bags, with your bags, Piper and I have not practiced this, as you can tell. Um, take those bags, put them in the, right by the line there. And just for the next couple of minutes, one by one, I want you to take the ball out of the bag and put it in the hoop. So the hoop represents an altar, represents, uh, and those yellow balls represent sacrifices. All right? So just one at a time, nice and slow. And then if you get done with those bags, um, don't shoot them from there. You're not shooting baskets. Just walk them up. And then if those bags get empty, uh, bring them back and walk them back, back and forth again. And so as Piper is doing that, I want to talk about why this whole system, and feel free to be distracted by Piper, that's fine, um, why this whole system was set in place. A big significant part of a priest's job was to go back and forth between the people and between the altar and making sacrifices on behalf of uh, the people. Now, the reason was, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, we see that God's heart, the number one thing that God wants, is he wants to dwell with his people. He wants to be in relationship with his people. Even in, in Genesis 3, as uh, we see sin, Adam and Eve took of the fruit that they are not supposed to eat, we see that as soon as they ate of it, we see the picture that God went walking and looking for Abraham, or not Abraham, Adam and Eve. He went looking for them. There was this picture of relationship you see in Genesis 5 that Enoch, this guy who lived and then went off to heaven, that he walked with God. God desired that relationship. And if you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation 21, you see where all of our world is going. In Revelation 22, it says, here's a picture of what heaven is going to look like. It says, the, the Lord, there's a loud voice and it says this, a dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more, no more pain. What an amazing, beautiful, beautiful picture. The dwelling place of God will come out of heaven and dwell with men and women. And there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more death. Isn't that like the cry of your heart? Like to live in that type of world where we're living in the presence of God. And so throughout scripture, 
you see God wanting to dwell with his people. And as the Israelites were leaving Egypt, God instructed them to raise up a tabernacle, which was really just a, a big tent. And so anywhere they would go, they would raise up this tabernacle, this big tent, and they would position themselves in tribes, the 12 tribes around the tabernacle. And there was an outer courtyard, there was a, a holy place just inside, or just outside of this uh, tent, but then in the midst of the tent, in this tabernacle, was the Holy of Holies. That was the place where God dwelled on earth. It was a place that heaven crashed into earth, and, and God dwelled amongst his people. In fact, Exodus 25, verse 8 says this, and talking about the, the tabernacle, Let them make me a sanctuary, this tabernacle, this tent, that I may dwell in their midst. Now, think about it. If you were God, just put yourselves in that spot for just a second. If you were God and people turned their backs on you, would you have this deep desire just to dwell and hang out with them? People that have gone like, nah, I'm done with you. We're going to go back to, to Egypt. But this is what blows me away about the characteristic of God. That he longs to be in relationship with each and every one of us. He longs to dwell, and that's a kind of a fancier word, but he longs to be with us. For us to know him, for him to know us. To have that really close relationship. That was the purpose all along. But also, in this tabernacle, in this tent, there was an altar. A bronze altar, which was a constant reminder that something got in the way of God dwelling with his people. And that thing was sin. And so it was a constant reminder that no one could boldly go into the Holy of Holies. No one could boldly approach God because of sin. Sin separated. And so there was this regular rhythm of sacrifices where people would offer sacrifices over and over and over again. Sacrifices for intentional sins. Things that they, like, yep, I'm going to intentionally sin in this area. There were sacrifices that were offered for unintentional sin. And I often thought, like, what is an unintentional sin? <laughs> like, that, I really struggled with that this morning. I'm like, what's an unintentional sin? And it would be like if you're cruising 40 miles an hour... You're cruising down the road, and then all of a sudden it changes to 30, and you didn't see the sign, and you don't realize it. You're like, okay, I'm breaking the law. Didn't realize it. I did it unintentionally. There were sacrifices to express your devotion to the Lord. Sacrifices to, um, for a, a bunch of different things. And so regularly, people would go to see uh, the priest Piper, and would go and offer grain, would offer animals, birds, would offer um, cows, goats, whatever, would bring them to Piper, represented by our little yellow balls, and she would take those, and you would actually take your hands, place it on that offering as a way of transferring your sin to the object, and then the priest would take that object, or take the animal, take the grain or whatever, and would sacrifice it. And there was this back and forth, over and over again, uh, type of pattern where you would bring your sacrifice, the priest would go and sacrifice it, and then you would go back and live your life until there was sin that happened again, then you would bring their sacrifice, and it was back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. And there was one day out of the entire year called the Day of Atonement, and this was a big day, when the big dog, the great, the high priest, the top priest would go into the Holy of Holies, but before he would go into the Holy of Holies, he would offer up a sacrifice for himself. Because if he went in with some sort of sin that wasn't atoned for, that wasn't taken care of, as soon as he walked into the Holy of Holies, boom, he was gone. 
They'd actually tie a rope around his foot that if, if he died um, while in the Holy of Holies, no one would go in there because then they too would die. And so they would like bring him back out. But one day a year, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, would offer up a bull for himself, but then would also sacrifice a, uh, a goat, but then would take another goat and place his hands that represented all of the people of Israel, place his hands on the goat, and the sins of the people would be transferred to that goat, and the goat would be sent out into the wilderness. And as this wilderness, or this goat was going out into the wilderness, people would see their sins, and they would say, you know what, that goat is carrying my sins away. The goat is gone, and so my sins are gone. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, if I saw that, all the stuff that I had done, all the, the junk that was in my life to be gone... Man, that would be such a relief. There would be so much freedom, like, oh, my sins are gone. But what would happen if leaving the place where the sacrifice was, you got a rock in your sandal, and it hurt, and you said something? Or you kicked a rock, or you got envious or jealous of somebody else's chariot, or somebody pulled in front of you as you were leaving. There was, there was this constant, even though your sins were gone, there was this constant like, you know what? Sin crept back into my life. And so there was this system of, this religious system, where you were never truly free. You were never truly wondering like, okay, am I completely free? Is the wrath of God fully satisfied? And so you see as Piper's going back and forth and enjoying herself so very much, there was this back and forth, back and forth system. And if you think about it, this, this endless cycle of sin and then a sacrifice and then sin and then a sacrifice and then sin and then a sacrifice. And it was that kind of system that the people in Hebrews had come out of and they'd experienced the amazing grace of Jesus. But they want to go back to that whole system. And I look at Piper going back and forth and I'm like, that is tiring. That is exhausting, this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But then I'm, I'm reminded that people are stuck in that today. And I say all of that. Let's give Piper a round of applause. For That's your last sacrifice. Great job. You can have a seat. But I wanted her to do that just to show as a representation, hopefully a, a reminder in your mind, of this religious system. Of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That we don't have to be engaged in anymore because of the blood of Jesus. And I want to read a large chunk of Hebrews. And I want to read it with that in mind. And so turn to Hebrews chapter 7. And all of that is going to make sense as we read Hebrews. And I just want to just then touch on just a couple things. And then we're going to wrap up with worship. Look at Hebrews 7, starting in verse 11. There is this little story about a guy named Melchizedek, and I don't have time to get into his story today. Pretty amazing guy, but there's only a couple verses in the Old Testament. But I want to pick up in verse 11. And this will all make sense just as we read and spend time reading part of Hebrews. It says this, Now, the writer is writing to people who came out of that religious system. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it, if the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. 
For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe for which no one has served at the altar. Let's fast forward to verse 15. This becomes, becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek. And so all of a sudden the writer of Hebrews is saying, you guys are very familiar with priests. Very familiar with that whole system. And I want to tell you that there is another priest that is here. Another priest that has come. And so all of a sudden there is another priest that is in the picture. Verse 16. One who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent. Or because they're part of a family. But by the power of an indestructible life. In talking about Jesus. Jesus has become a priest by the power of an indestructible life, by the power of his resurrection. He's a priest forever. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Even the writer of Hebrews is saying, this system made no one perfect. Didn't perfect anyone because it was this constant back and forth. Goes on to say, let's go to verse 23. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds this priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later in the law appoints a son who has made, who's been made perfect forever. Fast forward to verse um, 6 of chapter 9. It's talking about the Holy of Holies, Day of Atonement. These preparations, having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest, into the Holy of Holies, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes and a heifer sanctify them or make holy them for the purification of the flesh, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works 
to serve the living God. Fast forward to verse 23. It was necessary for the copies of heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not of his own, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by sacrificing himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that judgment comes, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. Let's go to verse 4, chapter 10. For it is impossible... For the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said, You neither desire nor taken pleasure in sacrifice and offerings, and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This amazing picture that we see in Hebrews is really a sermon that was, was written. And over and over again, you see this phrase, once and for all. Once and for all, the sacrifice has been made for you and for me once and for all, and Jesus has sat down. And this phrase, once and for all, I think we have been given a priest that is once and for all. Jesus is, is a priest because of his indestructible life. Because of the resurrection, he lives forever and ever. And so we have a priest in heaven who goes before God on our behalf. One who doesn't change. One who is there yesterday, today, and forever. And that is good news in a world that is changing. We have a priest in Jesus that is once and for all. But also we have a sacrifice that has been paid once and for all. The sacrifice of Jesus. We don't go back and forth anymore. The sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient, is plenty enough to cover your sins and my sins. And so we don't have to go back and forth and find an animal that is without blemish, an animal that is, is pure, that, an animal that is clean. No, because we have the pure spotless blood of Jesus, who was the ultimate sacrifice that was paid on our behalf. And because of that, you see in this passage, once and for all, we have been made perfect. And I don't know if you or I believe that about ourselves. In Scripture, it is absolutely clear that Jesus has made a sacrifice that has made you and I perfect. I think one of the things that we often think is that we have just been forgiven. And yes, we have been forgiven. But more than that, you and I have been made perfect in the eyes of God because of the blood of Jesus. And his blood is powerful enough to save any person. 
There is no person that is too far gone for the blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus is so powerful to take the, the darkest sinner, the darkest person or your darkest sin and completely wash it away and make you perfect. Do you believe that you, through the blood of Jesus, have been made perfect? Do you believe that about yourself? Often I wonder if we do because we can strive back and forth. And think that, oh, there's things that I have to do. Or if I post you know, a picture of a verse on, on Instagram that God's going to like me more. Or if I go to church, God's going to like me more. If I, I worship and I sing really loud, God is going to like me more. I'll get closer to Jesus. Those are all very important things. And I don't want to minimize any of those. But you are as close to God as you ever will be because of the blood of Jesus. You have been made perfect. And I think we have to let that settle in. That the God of the universe is thrilled with us, not because we're thrilling, but because Jesus has paid the ultimate sacrifice for us once and for all. And the challenge, where I want to challenge us today, is this. There is a world of people that are not living in peace, that are striving, that are looking for something to fulfill them deep within, and the only thing that will satisfy the deepest longing of a person is Jesus. And we have this good news. First of all, do you believe it? And secondly, will you share it? We have this amazing gift that we've been given. Do we understand that we've been given? We should be running and making disciples and telling people there is hope, there is healing in Jesus. You, have to, you can stop striving for perfection, stop striving for acceptance, stop striving to be seen because of the blood of Jesus that has wiped away every sin and that your identity and your fullness and your life and your joy can be found and needs to be found in Him. If we truly believe that there is this amazing gift that we have received, we would be quick to share it. And there are people in your life that need to hear that. And so will you this week be filled with the Spirit and say, you know what, we don't have to strive anymore. We don't have to sacrifice anymore. We don't have to engage in this endless process of religion over and over and over again. Put your faith in Jesus, for he alone is the only one that will satisfy the deepest part of your life. Man, I'm amazed, absolutely amazed that we don't have to do this anymore, mm -hmm. that we can rest and receive, and we're not going to return this gift, mm -hmm. but just receive it and live it out and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've given us. So let's stand together. I want to pray. Thank you for your amazing gift. Jesus, thank you that you were the sacrifice once and for all, that you right now are seated at the right hand of God. And what a picture that is, that it is finished, that striving is finished, that, that this, this system of religion is finished, that we can enter into a relationship with God the Father all because of what you have done, Jesus. And so remind us and, and, and fill us again with the hope that is only found in the gospel hope that is found in, in your blood, a hope that is found in the amazing gift that you provided for us through your blood that was shed on the cross. We just give you all praise and glory.